I can see a bit better. I just wondered, as I was preparing for this week, I know Nick's queued us up a little bit for this evening, but I was just wondering, who here is a member of a club? And just put your hand up if you're a member of a club. Nobody. Stevie, are you a member of a club? Are you? What club are you a member of? Say it a bit louder. Football, football club. Who else is a member of a football club? We used to have a church one, didn't we? Oh, over there. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Any other club members? Nick, what, what are you a member of? IT? <laughs> yeah, what? The gym, of course. Yeah, who else goes to a gym? Used to, pre-COVID. Not so much now. Uh, <laughs> um, and sometimes when we're a member of a club, we might say that we belong, mightn't we? So we might say we belong to the football team. We might say we belong to, I don't know, a camera club. Whatever kind of club it is that we've got membership of, we say, oh, I belong there. So we might even say, oh, I belong to St. Michael and All Angels. We might say, I'm a member of St. Michael and All Angels. And this evening, as Nick said, we've just got a little PowerPoint to remind us, we are going to be looking at um, the context of membership and belonging within this letter to the Ephesians. There we go. Chapter 2, verse 11, to chapter 3, verse 6. And we're in week 3 of 8. So I'm just going to ask Oscar this evening to come up and do our Bible reading for us. Okay, and have you got the page number? Can you say that? Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, so the, um, the um, readings from uh, chapter 2, verse 11... Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace, 
that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Excellent. Thanks, Oscar. Have you got the page number quickly? Did you know? Don't worry. No, it's fine. Go. <laughs> Wasn't that good, having a young person come up and read for us in an evening? Can we just give Oscar a little bit of a round of applause? I thought that was beautifully read, Oscar. Thank you. It's nice not to have my Essex accent read the whole thing out. Um, so... As we're looking at this evening, looking at this idea of community in the context of Ephesians, I just wondered, what does our title, Community for All, mean? I looked at the online dictionaries, and there were a plethora of explorations, but ultimately, the meaning is summed up by a group of people having something in common that unites them, hence coming back to our idea of being a member of a club. Now, unity in our series does come in a couple of weeks when we reach chapter four. But the link is actually inseparable. We're going to have a quick look at the word. We've got another slide for you just to help with this idea. So as you can see, the first part of the word com means shared. The second part, unity, means oneness. So it literally means the thing that we have in common makes us one. And uh, in my prep, as most of you are aware, I tend to use the ESV version. And the title on that actually says, One in Christ. In your versions in the church Bibles, it says, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. So we're going to have a look at that a little bit more closely as we go through. Thanks, Steve. That can come down now. Thank you. Um, But essentially, we're looking at the thing that binds us that brings us into community here is the Lord Jesus Christ. However, we might say many people believe in Jesus, don't they? They believe Jesus the man, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the teacher. Our belief as Christians goes further. Our belief is in the gospel. It's the belief of the atoning work of Christ, who he is and what he's done. His life, death, resurrection and ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit. It's him that unites us. So rather than, as I used in the beginning, I belong to St Michael and all angels, which of course is true, we can say that the bigger and overarching truth is that we belong to Christ. So let's look at the beginning of our passage, verses 11 to 13, first of all. Paul here is taking us back in history. So I thought, let's have a little trip back with him. I'll just read it to you from Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 to 11. This is what it says. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you. 
Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall, it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And it goes on. But of course, we understand, don't we, that that covenant is a legal contract. So his reference in the beginning of Ephesians is about this promise of God to the Jewish people. And then Paul is basically saying here to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, he's highlighting that they weren't included in God's election. There was a time when they weren't seen as those people. They weren't a part. In fact, Jewish people saw the Gentiles as people that were unclean and impure. And uncircumcision came to be a symbol of stubbornness and unbelief. And you can check that out if you want to in Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Jeremiah. But we need to remember that actually Paul himself was Jewish. So it's not that there's anything wrong with his nationality. That's not the point of this passage. But it's the fact that he has been called to bring this amazing good news, this gospel of Jesus to those that aren't Jews, those that are Gentiles, which I'm presuming would probably count most of us here unless you've got some kind of Jewish heritage which you may well have. But that brings us to the next part of our title, isn't it? It's community for all. So let's have a look in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So once separated, now brought near into that relationship with God. So I think we can get very self-focused sometimes and comfortable in our belonging. But whilst it's good to recognise that we have that security in our relationship with Jesus, we also need to recognise that this belonging, this community, has been intended for everybody. Sorry about that. So Paul knew that the physical circumcision was supposed to represent the spiritual reality, following God and his ways. And a debate had taken place over whether Gentiles therefore had to be circumcised in order to be included amongst the Jewish followers of Jesus. And you can read about that in Acts 15 at your leisure. But right now, I want to highlight Paul's assertion of saving through grace in verse 11. He claims that both Jews and Gentiles will be saved in this way. And if you remember, last week Graham unpacked grace and faith quite nicely for us. So that's a lovely link that we've got there from last week. And Paul goes on further to illustrate about this concept of circumcision and uncircumcision in Romans 2, 25 to 29. He explained that it's not the outward act of cutting the flesh that puts people in right relationship with God, but the condition of the heart from which should flow righteous actions. So I'm just wondering, who do we sometimes think is outside of the promise of Christ? What might we use as our sign of circumcision? What might we sometimes, as individuals or as a church body, sometimes think that's our mark of being a Christian? or being super spiritual, or being knowledgeable on the word, whatever that might be, what is it that we use to say, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right with God, 
not that person over there, but I'm all right because I've done this or I've got that or I look like this or I know that. You know, maybe we don't actually consciously think any of those things. I'm sure none of you do. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) But what might we do sometimes to segregate ourselves? Not just outside of the fellowship, but within it too. Do we sometimes behave in a way that might alienate ourselves from each other and we're not even aware of it? These are just things I'm ruminating on at the minute. But I'm really, really aware that at St Michael's we're facing a lot of change at the moment and that can sometimes be unnerving. Amongst other things, we're contemplating a third service. It might look really different in style to this evening service and our family service, but should difference in style separate us? Because I truly believe that Paul would say no if we're one in Christ. This verse 14 here actually tells us, for he, Jesus, is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So when we notice hostility, we can come back to Jesus and we can say, no, we know that shouldn't be there. You've come and you've given us peace. We can walk in peace in you. I think sometimes we need to guard ourselves against becoming those who live under rules and regulations made by ourselves and instead embrace Christ's life, death, resurrection and ascension for everybody. And when I start talking about this, I get quite fired up inside because I'm thinking, you know, it's not just for us as Christians in here, it's for everybody. That means absolutely anybody and everybody we can think of outside of this building right here and now. Who wants to go out now and do a little preach on the streets? Come in. (laughs) I would as well. If any of you said yes, we'd go. (laughs) But I do digress. (laughs) Let's have a little look at verses 15 and 16 because Paul here goes on to explain that the law and commands that were given to God's people have been abolished in him. But they're not abolished for a gap to be left for us to fill in with what we want to put in there. It's a gap so that the peace of Christ and a reconciliation in relationship can come, not just between us and God, but us between one another. And this cross in in verse 16 says it kills hostility between humanity. That's strong words, isn't it? actually kills hostility. When we look to the cross, have we got one we can look at here? There's a small one at the back here. There's a big one over there. Let's just spend a couple of moments just looking to a cross that you can see or imagining in your mind's eye. And it kills every hostility. And in its place, we have relationship with God and relationship with one another. And actually, this week, I can testify to the fact that I certainly don't always walk in that place. But you see, God knows. He calls us back. He calls us by name. And he says, Debbie. He says, Claire. He says, Nick. He says, Craig. He says, every single person here. He said, whenever you want to be hostile towards someone, come to me. My cross is enough. 
My peace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. The job has been done. And in verses 18 to 19, we see that it's the one Holy Spirit that is given to all followers of Christ. And that we have that relationship. It's through him we have that relationship with our heavenly father. And it makes us citizens, which I know we've looked at previously, haven't we? How important it is to recognise our citizenship in heaven. And also says that we become a member, there's that word again, of God's household. But more than that, we become a family because what is a household? It's usually somewhere where a family dwells, isn't it? But this household means we are not a member of a service, a leader, a denomination, a congregation, a nation, an ethnic group, but of God's family and how diverse we are and how beautiful in that diversity. This household Paul illustrates here looks very different to the image that might come to mind when we use the word. We might think of our family unit or our physical house or dwelling place, but what if my home is a cardboard box on the street? Does that exclude me? What if my dwelling place is a shop front? Does that exclude me? What if I lived in a mansion and like Richard Branson, owned an island? Would that exclude me? Well, Paul would say no. This offer of the gospel is for everyone. And this household of which we have the privilege to belong is built, he says, on the foundation of of apostles and prophets. And whilst that can be interpreted in many different ways, the key thing here is that the foundation is the truth of who Christ Jesus is. And as we had in our song earlier, he's described as the cornerstone. And do you remember the words? It said, um, weak made strong. The cornerstone is the foundation. And I'm sure many, many of you are aware what the cornerstone is in an actual building. It can also be called the capstone. And it's the stone, it's a vital stone on which the whole weight of the building rests. And that stone keeps the shape of the building. So we can see right there the analogy of Jesus Christ as our important cornerstone. Do you know the cornerstone on a building would often have details of the date of the building, the name of the architect and or builders or significant others. It's the first stone that's set and all the other stones are laid in reference to it. Church, Jesus Christ is the name on our cornerstone. The date is eternity. The body of believers of us are being joined and built together, verses 21 and 22, according to Jesus. We're being built as a dwelling place for God. Remember Nick was saying about, um, we come here to dwell in your presence, Lord. Because when we gather... And we are the body joined together. There he is among us. He dwells with us right here and right now. And I don't know where you're at this evening. You don't know really, truly where I'm at this evening. You might not feel like that, but this is the truth that we have to bring us comfort and to bring us that security. 
His presence is amongst us and is not confined to one physical location. Praise the Lord. And if we then go on and we look further down in our passage, it actually sums up and echoes the contrast set out in chapters, chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 12 that we were looking at. So I'm referring now, I didn't give you the reference, did I? Referring now to chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. There's like a parallel I can see here. He's talking about what was previously not known by the Israelites was that through Christ Jesus, anybody and everybody is able to become an heir with Christ. And that's another really, really key thing that we need to hold on to, isn't it? But I highly recommend Sam Plank's talk on the 24th of September. I think he did an absolutely stellar job of unpacking this further. So do check it out on our website or the podcast, 24th of September. But let's come back and have a look at our passage. Paul uses an analogy here to say that we are members of the same body. So if we just take that idea, for an example, of our bodies, I was thinking that, you know, we've got things that are hidden that are part of our bodies and things that are seen. So we might be aware that our heart automatically beats. We're not always conscious that it's going. But our heart needs our nervous system Our nervous system needs our brain. And that's just one element of the hidden parts of our body. And we might find that in our fellowship, we've got people like those hidden parts in our physical bodies that are hidden, but they're active and they're vital. And in the same way, we've got parts that are clearly seen, arms and hands that are very active. People like me that you see, see up here, people that we see serving over in refreshments, people over on the PA desk, we see them, they're clearly active. But no more or no less. Everybody plays their part. Everybody is vital to make the body work, to bring life, to bring energy, to bring vitality, and most of all, to bring the true reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 6, Paul sums up how our community for all should look. He says it's the mystery of Christ that's once hidden and has now been made known. That Gentiles, not just Jews, in other words, everybody can be a fellow heir and member of the same body, a community that is part of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So I'm going to ask the uh, band just to come up as we come to the end of, of the talk this evening. And I just really want to remind us that nobody is excluded from this opportunity. Even if sometimes we might feel like it, we might feel like we're on the outside. The invitation is for us, and it's also for the next door neighbour that we might not have spoken to. It's for the person up the road that we might go and buy a loaf of bread from. It's from the teacher at school that might be having a bad day. It's for our children, it's for our grandchildren, it's for our nieces and nephews. The opportunity is for everybody. And I would just like to finish by reading Galatians 3, verse 28. And I'll put a few bits in here. Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, so nationality, slave nor free, role or societal standing. There is no male and female gender. None of these divide us, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according 
to the promise. So I'd just like to finish with a prayer and then we'll move back into some sung worship. So Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for building us into a body, a community, a family of which we belong. Lord Jesus, our hearts often cry out for belonging. We need to know we belong. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we know we belong to you. And as we belong to you, we belong to one another. We belong to this amazing community that you have given us, not just in our fellowship, Lord, but right across the world. And Lord, when one part of our body mourns, we mourn with them. When part, one part rejoices, we rejoice with them. And so, Lord, for all of us here this evening, whether we're rejoicing or we're mourning, I just ask that we will know that we are not alone because you go with us wherever we are. And I ask, Lord, that you will put us together, bring us together through the power of your Holy Spirit to walk this life according to your glory, your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen.